Okay, so one of the things that, that I started thinking about as I was doing the homework and as we met with Kay and just her, gosh, her excitement for all of this is one of the things that I decided as I was doing all of this is that I had to stand back and look at the whole thing. I just, that's the way I do things. I get, I get really involved in the study and I do that and then I just have to pull back and look at the whole thing. So that's kind of how we're going to begin our morning this morning is that I'm going to give you this really, um, I'm going to give you a template in reading scripture that I hope will help you as you do your study. Now, this is a big thing. This is a big thing that we're going to talk about. And what I, what I want you to understand is that, in effect, when we're reading scripture, we're reading it on three different levels. And I've kind of listed those, and I'm going to go through those, and I hope that will help you understand. But here's what I want you to know, that we always want to go back home to level one. So that's, that's what we're going, going to talk about this morning. And then we're going to see how Hannah's prayers fit into that. So, okay, so what is, where, where are we going to begin? We're going to begin at the highest overreaching way that we are to li- read scripture. This is, this is, this is what scripture is all about. This is, this is what scripture is unfolding. And that is, that the controlling narrative above all narratives in Scripture is this is God's story. You know that. This is God's story. God wrote this story before the foundation of the world. Scripture tells us that. I want you, when you go home, I was going to read it to you at the end, but I don't think we'll have time. But I want you, when you go home, to read Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. And as you read that, what you're going to discover there is that before the foundation of the world, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planned this whole thing. That God, in his glory, decided that he was going to create man. And that he was going to create this beautiful world and that he knew, he knew what was going to happen. And he knew what it was going to cost him, but he was going to do it anyway. And that glory, that wonder of what he did is that, that he came, that, that in this, this, before the foundation of the world, and I'll tell you, I can't get my hand, uh, my mind around that. I, I can't. That's too high for me. We're not supposed to land there. We're just supposed to know that's true. That's supposed to be a place of worship, a place we put our, our hands over our mouth. That God planned this, that he knew it all that nothing surprises God, and that he said, this is what it's going to be. And in planning that, it is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit saying, yes, this is what's going to happen. And it is that, that this is the universal plan of God. It is, God is the Alpha and the Omega. And so the story that we're reading in the Bible is that story that we had nothing to do with. It is that story that God wrote himself that was written in his heart, and then in, a, in the fullness of time, it began to unfold in space, time, and history. And, in, and so as we look at this, this controlling narrative, as we go to level one, we realize that what is being unfolded then is this story of redemption. It's God coming to tell us what was decided 
in that as they as the, this plan was unfolded and here is what it's about it's about redemption it's about creation the fall the power and pervasiveness of sin it's about our need for redemption and Christ's incarnation and his life and his death his sacrifice and his resurrection and the promise of the final reversal of all things in a new creation for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. This is all of God. And let me tell you, when we're reading this, that's what this story is all about. This is about God unfolding his story that he planned, that he wrote, that he is telling us about. This is worship. And this is where we're always supposed to end up we are supposed we are supposed to go this keeps us tethered that as we read on these on on the third level that we're going to realize we always want to go home but in order to get home we have to go through the second level because that's the story that's the story in space time and history the second level is that large swath of god's unfolding plan in space time and history this is the level that, remember last week when Kay wrote all those things, Kay Gabrish wrote all those things uh, on, on the board of, the, of the, the highlights and places that point to Christ. And she, and she wrote about, she put on there um, the creation and then the garden and the fall and the seed that was promised that very, the back in the beginning, God began to say, begin looking. There's a seed coming. And then she went through all of these, and, and she, she was unfolding about Noah and the patriarchs and Moses and the exodus and the sacrificial system and the priesthood and the law. And then she about Joshua and the conquest. All of those things, what are all those things? God is unfolding something. He's giving us a taste. He's telling us, look, look, he's coming. A rescuer is coming. He's telling us that. But what he also is showing us is there is no one picture. There is no one story. There is no one person in all of these stories that can contain the glory of the rescuer God will send. And it is in the expanding of the understanding of the greatness of our need and the glory of the one needed. We couldn't understand it. And then, because of where we are in history, We have a great glory given to us. We have a great gift given to us because we don't have to look forward and try to figure it out. We know. We know who the rescuer is. And we, in the New Testament, are given the way that we're supposed to interpret those. Jesus shows us. It's all in him. And what we begin to understand in this great story that we get this gift of looking back and say, this is the story God planned. This is what he planned, and he, Jesus is the one we've been waiting for, and we know that. And now we can go back, and we can look at those stories, and they have more meaning, and we need to understand that's what was happening, that God was unfolding that story for us. And he had been preparing us for the one who came, but the beauty is that the one who came embodied that story in flesh, And that we got to see him and we got to understand. And it's not anything we expected. But all of a sudden, everything begins to make sense. Now, that is in space, time, and history that God is unfolding that in the Unfolding Mystery. That's a book. 
by Ed Clowney, but I love that. The unfolding mystery, that's what he's doing. He's, he's letting us see. And, and here's what, what I want you to ask yourself. How do you prepare people full of sin and bent in on themselves? How do you prepare them to understand how much they need a Savior and how glorious that Savior has to be? It's going to take thousands of years. It's going to take a long time. It's going to, that story just has to grow and grow because this is such a glorious story. How do you unfold it? How do you do this? And so, what do we have? How did God do this? How did he do it? He did it in Christ. He did it in the Old Testament by these types and these patterns and these shadows and and in the lives of people. And what he showed us was, I'm preparing you for the one who will come. Now, as we focus, particularly this year, on First and Second Samuel, we're going to focus in on kingship. And we're going to focus in on the kingdom. And we're going to begin looking and seeing and seeing the unfolding of the picture of Jesus. It's, and, and as we read it, we are meant to go back to the Old Testament as New Testament believers and read in to those things what we already know. We are meant to do that. We are meant to see. You see, it's like, it's like when you are, let's say you are reading this mystery novel and there's all these clues and everything and you're trying to figure it all out and you can't, but then the answer comes at the end of the book. And then all those clues make sense. Then it all makes sense why all this happened. That's, that's what's going on that, that we now understand because of Jesus Christ. But those clues are so beautiful and they just make Christ so much bigger because no man, no person could hold the glory of what was needed. And God wanted us to understand that. And then we come to the third level, and that's the level down here. And that's, that's the individual narratives that we're reading in our stories. That's, that's where we find the story unfolding. Um, the story of the first two levels are now unfolding in the lives of people. You see, how did, God, how did God give us pictures? Well, he brought people in to begin unfolding those, those pictures. So as we go through and, and we begin uh, reading and understanding this, um, we'll read, for example, our, we're going to look at Hannah's prayers today. And as we do that, we're going to see how she unfolds something for us. There's something glorious going on there. And, and so these narratives are to help us catch these glimpses and these patterns and the and these these pictures and and they also again I, I need to say that they also show us why people must keep looking for the true king because what we're going to discover we're going to discover right away that it certainly isn't Saul we've been looking for but then we're going to also to discover that it couldn't be David either David had a, a heart after God he did but it was because David understood how much he needed a savior. That's what. That's how he had a heart after God. But he couldn't carry the freight of what was required. And so we're going to see that unfolding. But there's another thing that we're going to see unfolding on the third level. And that is, this is a beautiful thing. That all along the way, God is writing people into his story. 
that story that he planned so long ago, and he set his heart upon a people. He chose a people for himself, and now he begins writing them into his story. And as he writes them, he's loving them. And we cannot lose sight that these aren't make-believe people. These are real people in space-time and history. That Hannah, there was a day when she went to the temple and her heart was breaking and she poured her heart out before the Lord. That day happened in space-time and history. And God knew that before the foundation of the world. That's how big our God is. Now, it's on this third level that we're going to spend most of our time in our study, probably. And as we go along, we also need to understand that these stories are meant to drive us back to level two and level one. They're always meant to do that. We're never supposed to get stuck on this level. And let me explain how that happens. These, these stories in our own life are meant to cause us to see our need of God, to see the glory of the one he's provided for us, and to live a life of living praise. That's what it's supposed to lead us to. It's meant to drive us back home. Now, one of the things we're going to discover as we le- read these narratives this year is this. We're going to discover that some people never leave this. They never leave level three because they don't look for a savior and they don't run home to God because their heart is so bent in on themselves that they never understand how deeply they need the glory of what God has provided. And so they will stay right there. But there are others, there are others we're going to read about that grasp that idea. And those are the ones that God knew before the foundation of the world. So, Now, all of that is just an introduction, just a a template for you to hold on to. As as we're reading, I want you to understand that that God wrote this and that that he gave us Jesus and all these stories that are written in Scripture are meant to help us understand the glory of what he did. And 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 I I don't want us to get stuck here in these stories, they're beautiful stories, but these stories are um, only meant to drive us into the arms of Jesus. So let's look at Hannah's prayer and see how that begins to work out in her life. Okay, so, um, and this is going to be very brief. Um, I'm going to go through both of Hannah's prayers and, and, and kind of show you how this work out. But here's the thing I want you to see, that We're working in space, time, and history, and think about this. There are millions, millions of stories that God could use to write in his book. And he chose Hannah. And there's a reason he chose this story of Hannah's life, because there's something she has to tell us. There's something we need to know. And here, here's what we know about Hannah's situation. She's barren. She longs for a child. Her husband has two wives. She lives with Penaniah. And Penaniah is, she's a study. She, um, she, just, she has children. God, God's blessed her with children. And she just keeps provoking poor Hannah because Hannah has none. 
And the thing that you need to understand is that in the culture in which Hannah lived, to be barren would have been a disgrace. This would have been, you see, in that culture to have children meant that there would be, there would be uh, sons and daughters to carry on the name and, and there would be sons and daughters to, to work. There would be an inheritance. There would be this carrying on of the line. You, and, and it would mean that you were carrying out the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. And all of these things were going on and Hannah wasn't participating in these things. She wasn't, she, her, her heart was so sad that she couldn't find her place. And one of the things that made it even worse is, of course, Hannah, I mean, Penaniah was always telling her, yeah, you're a mess. You're not worth anything. And she was always provoking her, and it just broke. It, it, it was the heart that Hannah wanted, that, that she wanted a child. And so that's where it is. And, and as, we, as we go on, we, we read twice, it's repeated that, the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Do you know the, the, the weightiness of that? That it wasn't only that she couldn't have ch- children, but that the Lord, Yahweh, had closed her womb. God had said no. Now, what do you do with that? That's a hopeless situation. What do you do with that? Now, Hannah... We come to the getting to her prayer. Hannah is in Shiloh. This is where they have gone year after year. They would go to Shiloh. She goes with her husband, Elkanah, and Penaniah, and Penaniah with all of her children. And let me just tell you something about this. It talks about the portions that are given, and there's some confusion about was it a double portion or was it only a single portion? We're not going to get into that. But just remember that as those portions were given out, that whether Hannah got a double portion or only a single portion, it was the statement that she had no children. When these were handed out to Penaniah, was given all these portions for her children and for herself and to Hannah, even if Elkanah gave her two portions. She didn't have a child to give it to. So this would just march. Every, this was like her sadness being played out before the eyes of people every year, year after year after year. But something different happens this year, this one year. They're there, and it says that Hannah arises and goes to the temple to pray. All along, all these things have been happening to Hannah, all this sadness. Now she does something. She arises, and she goes to the temple to pray. And as she prays, she weeps, and she's deeply distressed. And it says she pours her heart out to the Lord. Now, some questions that we need to ask of this. Why do you think Hannah rose and went to the temple to pray? We're not told specifically, but my guess is that because of what we know of the history and everything, this is where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is where the mercy seat is. This is, this is where the power and presence of God is said to be in the Holy of Holies, in that place. 
And she drew near to God, and she went there, and she was going to pour her heart out to him. Now we have to ask, okay, how much did Hannah know about this God? What was she pouring out before him? Listen, she wasn't praying to an unknown God. What do we know that she knew? Well, we knew that she knew that God had closed her womb. She understood that God was sovereign and that he had closed her womb. We also know that Hannah lived in a storytelling culture. She would have certainly have known of the captivity in Egypt. Now, another thing I need to remind you of, that, that this was a faithful family, that they would have known these stories, that, that even though this was in the time of the judges, we have this family set apart that is is going every year to offer sacrifices and worship. So they would have been focusing in on these things. And so she knew this. She knew these stories. She would have certainly known of the captivity in Egypt and God's remarkable deliverance. We find her, I'm sure you talked about this in your small groups, that she was using the same language that God spoke to Moses at the burning bush. When God came to Moses and he said, I am a God who remembers my covenant. I am a God who hears the cries of my people, and I know their sufferings, and I have come down to do something about it. Hannah would have been pouring her heart out to that God. God, remember me. She would have said, remember your covenant. Hear the cries of your people. Come down, Lord. I am praying for that. We, we imagine, I mean, the hints of the scripture is that those are the kinds of things she was praying. But she would have been praying for more than that. She would have been praying to the God who not only closed wombs, but opens wombs. She would have been praying to the God who opened the barren wombs of Rachel and Rebecca and beyond that, who brought to life a dead womb in the life of Sarah. This God to whom she is praying is a great and awesome God. She goes to the stories, my friends. She goes to the stories, and she remembers the stories, and she isn't praying to Moses. And she isn't praying to Rachel and Rebecca. She is praying to the God who opened their wombs. She was praying to the God who remembered, and the God who remembered his covenant and who came down. And she was driven, as she remembered those stories, she was driven to worship the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. So as we read these stories, my friends, we need to be driven to that very same place to worship the Lord, to go and see, to read these stories and know that God wrote Hannah into his story. But writing her into his story blesses her greatly, and it is meant to show the glory of who he is. Now, finally, in the prayer that she prays, she vows a vow, and she says, if you give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all of his days. And just briefly, we don't have time to go into this, but it's, it's as if she is saying, one commentator says, it's as if she were saying, I gave you my sorrow, I will give you my joy. I love that. I love that. It's as if she is saying, all I am belongs to you. And that is worship. Okay, very quickly, um, we're running out of time. So very quickly, Hannah's final prayer. Okay, so Hannah takes her prayed-for child, and she gives him to the Lord as she vowed. 
she takes this little boy. We talked about this in, in leaders' meeting this morning. She takes this little tiny baby. I mean, three to five years old. We don't know exactly how old he was. She takes him, and she gives him, entrusts him to Eli and his sons ugh, at the, at the, in the temple, and she gives him as a servant to the Lord. We can't even imagine of that. What would you expect her heart would be doing? I would expect her heart would be broken. I would expect that, boy, was she weeping before. How would she be weeping now? But that's not what, we're, what we begin to see. Instead, we have this prayer of radiant joy. It's a prayer vibrant with worship. And here is the amazing thing. The child is not the subject. God is. My heart exalts in the Lord. There is no God like the Lord. She is, she is pouring out this, this unbelievable prayer of worship. This God moves in this world and turns everything upside down and inside out. Nothing is as one would expect. Hannah's life was not what she expected. When God came down and saw her and remembered her, how could she not worship this God? There is nothing outside of God's sovereign rule. He closed my womb, but he opened my womb. He gave me a child, and beyond this, there's something beyond this. I've entrusted him to God. What will he do with my son? And she goes on, and she talks about the weak binding on strength and the strong being broken, and those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but the hungry have ceased to hunger. The bear and bear children and the woman of many mourn. She just sees this this. This reversal of everything, as Kay talked about last week. My friends, the Lord is Lord of life and death, she goes on to pray. Hannah's prayer opens wide the vistas of God's sovereignty. She doesn't end her prayer. She flings it into mysteries unknown. Her last words are words beyond her knowing, words that are visionary and full of hope, that God gives her words that she can't even understand. She sees in this somehow, she sees the end of the judges. And she sees the Lord taking control, and he hands his scepter to his king. And he exalts the power of his anointed. This is the prayer that she sings, because this is the God she worships. And she cannot say enough of him. And as we look at this story, and she goes into the unfolding mystery of the one who would come, She cannot help but worship the God of the universe. My friends, you have been written into God's story. Before the foundation of the world, he set his love upon you. You were in God's heart before ever there was a day on this world. When David prays in Psalm 139, I'm going to read just a little bit of that. He is praying to our God and Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is your prayer. And God has given this to you. And for our greater understanding of things, how can he be mindful of me? I don't know, but he is. And that is his promise. Your life is written for his glory and your blessing. We are God's inheritance and he is ours. When Hannah received a portion from Elkanah, And he said, I am better to you than ten sons. And she knew. 
that is not my portion. God is my portion. Let me read what, um, just some of Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light shall be about me as night, even the darkness is not dark to you, for the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all of your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret and intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more numerous than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. That's our God. That's the God that we need to continually run to and praise. And that is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that in all of these stories that we're going to be seeing the unfolding of the great story of redemption in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, um, this is too high. We cannot attain to it. It's too much of a mystery for us to wrap our hearts around, but we join Hannah and say, glory be to you. And we give you praise and we pray that our lives that is written in your book, that we are written in the Lamb's book of life, that that book is going to be open and that, that you have promised that our tears are in a bottle. You have promised that you have known us before the foundation of the world and that you're going to open that book and we're going to be in the Lamb's book of life, that we don't have to face the judgment because Jesus did. Glory. And we will be with you forever. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.